Welcome to the Heal Ministry Podcast, where we believe that God heals us in the way that brings Him the most glory and draws us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique and God's goodness truly can be found amidst our physical suffering. Hey guys, welcome back to the Heal Ministry Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai, and I am your host. Today on the show, we have a wonderful guest, but before I tell you about her, I do want to just quickly remind you that our Bible study, my Bible study that I wrote, is called Through the Fog, and it is available for pre-order on Amazon. So I've linked that in the show notes. If it is the least bit interesting to you listening to these episodes, then I think you will love the study. So please, please check it out. Today, we have Lacey Finn Borgo on the show, and she is an author. We talk about two of her most recent books, and we talk a lot about what it looks like to have the faith of a child. So Lacey asked this question in her book, is faith of a child just unquestioning faith? Is that really what God wants from us? Or is it being present with ourselves in a way that invites healing and wholeness? In addition to that, we talk about her other book, her children's book that has come out recently called All Will Be Well, where she takes us through loss and what it looks like when a child loses someone they love. And Lacey takes us through a little bit of that kind of healing and processing and the grief that comes from this very broken, horrible thing called death that happens in all of our lives. So for today, we talk about how God is with us in our suffering, whether we are adults, whether we are children, and what it looks like to come to him as a child and believe in the goodness and trust the goodness of God. So here's Lacey Finn Borgo, spiritual mentor to both adults and children. Lacey, I told you a little bit before we started about I am super excited to talk to you because I believe your books kind of have the intersection of childlike faith and suffering at the same time. And those maybe seem paradoxical when you first look at it, but they're really not. I think they're super interrelated. So I'm excited to jump in. But first, will you tell people I'm going to read a little bit professionally. I did love, Mm. by the way. Um, I'm in the Portland area, so I saw that you went to the Portland Seminary, or that's what it was called, right? Yes, yes. And then um, I grew up in Austin, and you have the little West Texas in there as well. I so, sure do. That's some fun connections in there, and and you have a horse in the photo that you sent me, which is one of my loves. So those are a little bit of our connections, but what would you like people to know a little bit about you? It can be fun or professional, just to share and start us off. Sure. Uh, Let's see. What would I want people to know? I might want you to know that I'm a spiritual director and I am a spiritual director um, with adults and with children at Haven House, which is a transitional facility for families without housing. And that children have taught me so much about what it means to be fully present with the sufferings in our lives, as well as with playfulness and joy. Yeah. Really sort of giving me a picture of emotional dexterity. Yeah. How did you first get into focusing kind of on children? I mean, I know your your most recent book, right, is Faith mm-hmm. Like a Child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So has that been more recent thing in your life the past decade? Or has it been since you had kids? Where did that journey start with God? Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You mean my journey on listening with children and sort of accompanying them? Yeah, yeah. Just with the whole childlike focusing on the childlike faith and the, the attributes children teach us. Mm. I, you know, I, I was a, we lived in Rochester, New York for a while and I was a public school school teacher. Those are my, my first two degrees are in education. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching in inner city, Rochester, New York. And I was, I went into that position <laughs> super arrogant. Like I, I'd just come out of my master's degree and I just thought I knew everything. And they really helped me <laughs> know that I didn't know maybe anything. And I, I began to really listen, listen to them mostly out of desperation and hear that there was an enormous well of wisdom and knowledge that they even weren't necessarily aware of. They understood goodness and beauty and full connection and presence at a level that in my adult arrogance I had forgotten. Yeah. So I think that was sort of maybe one of one of the early early ways. Yeah. So I know this is a very broad question, but I'm gonna throw sure. it at you and see okay. see what you say. Cool. But when we're talking about childlike faith in the Bible and you're you're saying that's something that I had forgotten, why do we lose it when Jesus says receive the kingdom as a child, do we lose it because of disappointment and jadedness and growing up? I mean, why do we lose it? How do we regain and remember that again? Is that that your entire book? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the, that will be chapters one through whatever. Yeah. I think that we never entirely lose it. It just goes underground. Hmm. A Jesuit theologian, Carl Rahner, says that we we don't sort of shift from like childhood spirituality to adolescent spirituality to young adult spirituality. We actually bring all these spiritualities with us into how we are right now. Mm. And that means also the wisdom and gifts of it and also the wounding mm. and sort of the faithfulness remembering or reattaching or integration, whatever language we want to use. Um, sort of those first steps into healing is to uncover both the wonder of the ch- our childhood selves and to invite Christ to do that healing around the wounds as well. Yeah. So it's a it's really that both and mm-hmm. movement that happens. Yeah. If you're willing to share, I don't know your personal journey. Sure. If you've had, I mean, yes, our listeners, we talk a lot about physical chronic pain here, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure being that you've lived in the world a while that you have suffered at some point, is there something you can share about some kind of pain or suffering and and that intersection with tapping into your childlike characteristics as well? Sure. I can name two sufferings that have formed me. I speak about them both, actually, in the Faith Like a Child book. And certainly you can hear it in my children's book, All Will Be Well. And the probably the first suffering was the death of my sister. I was just mm-hmm. two and a half years old. But my earliest memories are of yeah. her, of her death. And it began a lifelong lifelong journey and conversation with God around around death. I don't have a memory where I didn't know death existed. I've always known that there's death. 
and my relationship with death over time has is being healed and a lot of it has to do with letting Christ ground me in his love and tender care for me and those I love so that's that's kind of the first that has always been you know and of course that kind of loss mm. shapes family wounding as well in a profound way oh yeah the second is i am positive for the breast cancer gene so braca2 positive so i think we're at about 7 years now 7 years ago my aunt found out that she had breast cancer And some years before, I had taken care of my grandfather as he died of pancreatic cancer. And her doctor put the pieces together and said, oh, we need to have you tested for the the BRCA2 gene, genetic abnormality, which means... I didn't know you could be tested for it. Yeah, yeah. So you can be tested for those two in particular, and they're always finding others and... For pancreatic and breast cancer? Well, pancreatic cancer is in the BRCA family. Okay. It's one of the colon cancer is also in the BRCA family. Okay. Breast, ovarian, melanoma. We're because we are positive. I'm, I'm positive for the breast cancer too, Gene. My percentage rate for getting those cancers is extremely high, so... For breast cancer, mine was in the 80%. You have not been diagnosed with it yet? No, no, no. Okay. I had a prophylactic double mastectomy. Oh, okay. Which was, is advised, and my ovaries and fallopian tubes removed, which launched me into menopause. Oh, yeah. Man. And, um, yeah, it, all of that happened within six weeks of finding out that I'm positive for it. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, like pancreatic cancer, there's nothing that... There's no preventative measures. So it's um, also making peace with right. these genes that I have. Yeah. How do you accept that and walk in peace, but also, you know, take the necessary yeah. steps in wisdom, yeah. like having those massive procedures done, right? identity shifting procedures. Exactly. And at the same time not given to fear knowing you have that gene. Yeah. Uh, so much of it and 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 can I say that it's an ongoing journey. Like yeah. even as I reconcile and uh make peace with death, with my own death, my sister's death, that this is a journey that we're just always on. And I would say one of essential pieces for me is to cultivate this childlike faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To learn, continue to grow and settle into my place as a beloved child of our mothering father. Mm-hmm. How does childlike faith play into the conversation of death? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, one, safety and security. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the title of the children's book, basically. All will be well. That however this goes, mm-hmm. all will be well. And that... That's an ever-growing reality. I think that we there are practices and ways to connect with God and one another that help ground us in that reality. 
But we grow into that trust and safety over time. And children, children, because they don't have the baggage that you and I have, which we're, you know, very gently and kindly trying to (laughs) deal with Mm -hmm. all the time. Sometimes we have to have baggage handlers, (laughs) also known as therapists. Um, Children come with that inclination for trust and connection. And so introducing them to God's tender, loving care at a young age and letting them grow into that makes space for them to bring their hard, hard feelings of loss and sorrow to God. Okay, you're making me think it's going to seem like maybe not connected, but it's connected in my mind because I got there somehow. So something I've been processing recently is it just, especially living in the Portland area, it is a huge thing in the Western church with deconstruction right now. Everyone's deconstructing their faith. And so I'm like, well, that's well and good. I try to ask really hard questions on this podcast. And in a way, like it's kind of focusing on deconstruction in the realm of suffering and physical pain. But I don't want to just deconstruct it. I want to reconstruct it. Mm -hmm. So how do we reconstruct when you're saying let's focus on letting us grow into this, this trust and stuff when we've been disappointed, when we've been hurt? Is that... I mean, are there practical things we can do if someone's mm-hmm. listening right now and saying, man, I that's great. I would love to go back and view the world like my five-year-old self, mm-hmm. but I can't. Like, I've seen it. The veil's been lifted. Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? Is that just something the Holy Spirit has to transform in us? Or what is our part to play in practicality? Mm. That is such a great question. I, I think we cooperate We cooperate with the Spirit who continuously knits us together. Deconstruction, I mean, if we're going to use the, I mean, I just introduced the metaphor of knitting. Though I I like to think of the Spirit as the holy knitter. Oh, I love that. And there are times in our lives where where this masterpiece of our lives and our faith becomes unraveled. Mm. And yet the Spirit is still knitting. And so I don't think that deconstruction and reconstruction necessarily are two separate phases. I think that they can be happening all at once, mm. especially if we keep, if we bring our disappointments to God and we give God access to what needs to be unraveled. Yeah. Like this makes no sense to me. This is painful to me. I can't see how you're like this at all. Wonderful questions. Bring them to God. Yeah. Maybe that's what happens when people don't are not able to reconstruct. Maybe it's because they're not letting God in on it. I recently interviewed someone who said one of the most powerful things we can do is name the emotion and name the feeling. Hmm. But how many of us even do that? Hmm. I mean, we don't even name, hey, God, I'm feeling really confused and disappointed right now. Hmm. It's like we live in our own denial, much Hmm. less letting God into that, I Hmm. feel like. Hmm. What I... I listened to you and I thought of it before and I know it's an overquoted verse, but I'm going to do it anyway, because what you're saying is this is a, a promise we have in scripture is Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love God. Mm-hmm. But I see the holy knitter up there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that they happen for good, mm-hmm. but that he's up there saying, you know what, like this part, oh, that's that might not look a little right, but I'm going to keep knitting. I'm going to weave it into your story until it is good because he's a God of redemption and he's a God of kindness, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Yes. Um, uh, recently, there's a section in my book where I talk about play. 
And I use the children's the children's game peekaboo. You know, your little one. I, I do bet it you play peekaboo every day. Yeah. <laughs> and what peekaboo does for us is it builds attachment. Huh. Like that's why we play it because you're teaching your child that when you don't see me, I will show back up. Mm. When you don't send me, sense me, I will show back up. Yeah. You can trust. You can trust our relationship. You can trust my faithfulness You're making me to cry. you. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's, I wonder, maybe I could wonder that that's what God is doing. Yeah. In those moments where we don't sense God, when we don't see God. And I don't mean to say playing peekaboo because to, to minimize the pain right. because it is excruciatingly painful. But I wonder is God expanding our capacity for trust and love? Is God expanding our capacity for deep desire, wanting? Like for so many of us, our wanter is broken. And that sort of peekaboo game can, can rev up our wanter, both our wanter for life, our wanter for relationship, just gives our wanter a little more gas. I love that. Well, here's the fun thing is we're recording this right now. My daughter's seven months and she has learned to play the peekaboo game herself at seven months. So she takes her <laughs> blanket and she pulls it over. And so I say, where's Onwin? You know, I don't see her and until she pulls it down again and smiles. There she is. And so I wonder if you continue that metaphor to where if we grow in our childlike faith it's like we then kind of do that to god and say okay god like i'm gonna i'm i'm pulling up the blanket this time i don't see you but i know you're there and then you know i I don't know if that metaphor breaks down it probably does but Mm -hmm. i like that i i don't know i i think um you know we become god's adult children Mm. as we age we, we become adults. We need to become adults. Dallas Willard, um, Christian philosopher Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, he talks about how sometimes when we don't hear from God, maybe we're seeking out a decision or something, that during those times, he says, we can safely assume God says, all right, well, what do you want? Why don't you do that? Hmm. That God trusts us with a decision. Yeah. And that that's sort of the mutuality of a relationship. I mean, we're talking about a relationship. Yeah. So I just recently read Andy Stanley's new book on parenting, Getting It Right, I think is what it's called. But one of the things I liked in there is that he said that there are parenting stages with your child. And so I'm probably not going to get them all right. But there's the discipline years, you know, when they're young. And then there's the coaching years. And then there's the friendship years. And I'm, oh, in the training years. So discipline, then training, then coaching, then friendship. And obviously this timeline would look very different for those of us who have come to Christ later and, and different things when you're baby Christian and, and so on. And who knows how, how fast we mature. But I've been wondering, do you think that we can use that with God in our relationship too? So at a certain point, mm-hmm. if we walked with God a long time, maybe we're in the coaching stage where he's given us a little bit more freedom and he's like, okay. Yeah, why don't you make that decision? And I'm going to coach you through it. But like you're out on the fields now and I'm 
we're, we're going to come in, you know, we're going to talk, but I'm going to let you start making more of your own decisions. Does that ring true to you? I don't know if I can take that better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think yes, and it's limited for this reason. I don't think we ever walk away yeah. from our childhood self. So we don't ever graduate to say friendship and aren't still child child God's yeah. children. And I one, one little one little bell for me around that is John twenty one. You know, Jesus has lived. Jesus has died in John twenty one. Jesus has risen. And now here's this very last chapter. The disciples have just been through it, mm -hmm. right? Christ is about to ascend, and G and Jesus calls them children. I mean, you know, he he calls them children in John twenty one. Mm -hmm. He still calls yeah. them children. So I think we never leave that identity behind. Instead, we just expand. Yeah. We're this one and this one and this one and this one. Yeah. And You're convincing one. me that's not a full metaphor at all for well, our life with God, but that's okay. No, well, I think that it does name maybe all many of the dimensions that we are. Yeah. Yeah. But I like yours a lot better, like kind of all of them at the same time. But even if you're friends with God, you can still crawl up in his lap as the two-year-old and say, hey, dad, this is really what I want. Yes, exactly. Or I'm super, super mad. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me, Lacey, a little bit about healing and suffering. How does regaining, I feel like that even that's a limited word, maybe you have a better word, but regaining our childlike faith factor into horrible seasons of pain? Well, I think there, are, I wrote about, I wrote about play in two chapters in the book. Um, rather than one. I had it only in one chapter, and then I thought, no, not enough. We're going to need to. Mm. And I think one of the reasons I expanded it was because play, which is a child's primary tongue, it's our mother tongue. For all of us, play is our mother tongue. Mm. It's how we communicate when we don't have words. It's how we work out our sorrow when we're angry or frustrated or confounded. We play. Um, when we need some relief, we go play. When we need ex creative expression, we want to co-create, we play. And play does not exist outside the realm of suffering. Mm. So I think when we are in seasons of sorrow, play is essential to help us grasp the cruciformed way of suffering, which is both deep suffering, the vertical access, and then the expansive joy that can be in suffering, which is the horizontal access. Yeah. Is that something, be our spiritual director for a second. <laughs> is that something that we just need to find out for ourselves, like through, you know, knowing our personality and our relationship with God? So let's say someone is in has fibromyalgia, can't really get up and do anything right now. Like we're picturing, in my mind anyway, when I hear play, I picture like, let's go out and play soccer or let's oh. go on a hike or oh. do these things. I mean, what is... I say pull up Jim what, Gaffigan. What like? Pull up Jim Gaffigan and lay on the couch. Rest your body <laughs> and, and enjoy and laugh. Yeah. Things for... Like adults, I don't feel like are... Maybe it's more innate. We just have to reclaim it. Well, yeah, I think uh, there are a couple of 
a couple of play practices I could yeah. offer. Yes, One please. is to think about what did you do when you were young that you lost track of time? Ooh, reading for me. Okay. Maybe that's play. And what kind of reading are we talking about? Like fun reading, like fiction reading. Fun. Yes, okay. not like college textbook reading. <laughs> <laughs> right, like give me the encyclopedia. Not yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah, fun reading. So think about those things. And that's another wonderful conversation with God to say, okay, kind of two things. God, would you bring to my mind the memories of what I did with you for fun when I was young? And then kind of pay attention to your dreams and notice when those things come back. So that's one way. Another is to be around children and let them teach you how to play. Mm. Uh, you, you've probably forgot. I've forgotten. I'm still remembering things that I liked to do when I was young that I had forgotten about. And I've been doing this for a while now. So being around children, they will teach you. I mean, maybe they, they're outside playing in the mud. And they say, oh, would you come to this tea party? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you can't play in the mud, but could you sit and have tea and pretend to drink out of a out of a really scary pot <laughs> someone made? <laughs> the other is, what are you curious about right now? Hmm. Is there some kind of play that you're curious about right now? Play releases outcomes. Mm. If we're tied to outcomes, we don't play. So like if... You're a doodler and you have markers out and you're trying to doodle for an outcome. Yep. It will cease to be play to you. But if you can release that outcome and maybe you think, no, I can't. And you have to ask God, God, would you help me to release an outcome and just play with you with this color? My friend Dave Nevels, who I write about in the book, he plays with God by fishing. God does love fishermen, huh? It does seem to. does seem to. <laughs> but I have another friend who, because of their own suffering, needs to work at home. And they create spreadsheets. And that's their, that's their way of playing with God is by creating mm -hmm. spreadsheets. It's a place of deep joy and shared delight. Wow. I know. That, spreadsheets of what? That does not seem in any way that yes, that would ever be able to bring me joy. It would not for <laughs> me. And so that, that really kind of helps us remember, too, that our play is has a very unique fingerprint to, our, to us. Mm, interesting. So you'll like this. Last night, uh, my husband and I had our date night and... We have a book called The Adventure Challenge that our sister-in-law got us. It was like the best gift ever. It keeps on giving because it's taken us years and we're still going through them. And so it was painting each other. So we just painted e our faces, <laughs> but you couldn't tell, like you had no say in what the other person did to your face. <laughs> and it was so fun because exactly what you're saying, though. I had no, I told him I have no plan. I just started painting this, you know, huge mustache and like it ended up. It ended up being pretty great. Um, it was one of my favorite date nights we've ever done, but I'm connecting it. It's because there was there was no desired outcome. I was like, I'm going to see what happens when I start painting your face. Right. <laughs> and it was great. And so I think that this is such an important conversation when we talk about pain, because I think our world gets smaller with pain yeah. and it just gets smaller and smaller. And we think that we can't play and you can't have joy and they can't coexist but what we're saying is they can, and it might take practice, but I think play is a way 
to bring that back in and it starts expanding your world a little bit more, I think. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it introduces oxygen in places where there's just none. Yeah. And play and suffering are not obsolete. So they they can inhabit the same space together. Yeah. And I'm thinking I've really just been struggling over the past few years. I've just had a lot of disappointment in a lot of ways. And I'm like, well, how do I hope again? And what I'm hearing in this conversation is it sounds so backwards, but like, well, how do you play again? Because I think once you start playing again, when you that releases the need for a certain outcome, and then you become hopeful because then you're like, okay, God, I, I see you as my dad. And maybe I do want these things and I haven't asked for them because I've just feared that the answer is going to be no or that they're not going to happen the way that I think they're going to. So what's the point of even asking? And instead, then you just start asking again yeah, and just seeing. Yeah. And that not that what children do when they come to a parent and they ask for something? Mm-hmm. They, they're really, they're really just spitballing. That's why there yep. are so many requests. Like mm-hmm. surely one of these is going to land. Yeah. And, and that's the consequence, the outcome of a trusting, loving relationship is you can't ask for anything. Yeah. How have you seen this most play out in your life? Like what freedom or joy has been brought back into your life as a result of playing? Hmm, That's a good question. Let me think about that for a second. Yeah. So I don't know if you know much about the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram (laughs) three. Uh Okay. I'm an eight. Okay. So I like live. I live for efficiency. Yeah. (laughs) I I have a high need for it as well. Oh man. And Play, if anything, is the most inefficient thing you could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. Totally. First of all, there's no outcomes. Oh, such a drag. Yep. No goals, no challenges. No goals, no challenges. I don't walk away with anything. And so for me, play looks like taking a little time every day and going and taking a walk outside. Mm. Now, I also love to create art, but art leaves me with something in my hand. Yeah. So it's a it's a play. Yeah, it's a play that still produces something. So I get a little bit of my my shadow manipulating side in your, there. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But going and taking a walk outside, nada. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I get see. Nothing. I could tell you though. Like I could tell you. Oh, but that's good for my body. Like I find a way to yeah. give it a meaning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. It's not going to work. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that has helped me, I would say taking a walk outside has helped me. Well, okay. I'm an empty nester. Mm -hmm. So my last child went to college and it's been a deeply sorrowful time. I'm both excited, super thrilled for my kids Mm -hmm. and I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I miss and also, you know, an empty nest turns up regret. Yeah. And um, and walking has introduced a playfulness to help um, bring some levity to that both sorrow and transition yeah. s- season of life that I'm in. I love that. Thank you. Mm. You've done really well Mm. with me throwing random questions at you that you're not prepared for. (laughs) And can I just tell you, like, uh, I live in Western Colorado, and it's 
we had snow this week. So when I went to take my walk, it was very muddy. Mm. And like I lost a boot. <laughs> and I found myself just standing out there laughing my head off. I'm sure my neighbors were like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone should call someone for her but it was just again that playful levity I really felt God near to me mm. helping me to take myself and my season of life a little more lightly yeah yeah I love that thank you for sharing mm. wrapping it up because we have to not because we want to mm-hmm. but we've kind of meandered along a lot of mm-hmm. little roads today what would you want to say that I haven't asked you about or something that you're you're pondering mm. or would want to say to our listeners? Mm. I think I would like to, to comment on the children's book, All Will Be Well, mm-hmm. that I wrote it without platitudes for folks who might be deconstructing and wanting to accompany their children in a season of sorrow. Mm. You'll, you'll notice that I don't mention heaven in it. Mm. And I know that people are, one, trying to understand what, they, what that means. What does that mean? What does death mean? Those are big existential questions. Yeah. And the emotional expression that the artist, the illustrator put in the illustrations are phenomenal. Yes, they are. Phenomenal. But to just live in that book... You are in a season of loss. You are your child or in a season of loss. Just to sort of do a a praying through mm-hmm. the book, page by page with the illustrations, inviting the spirit to show you where God is present. Yeah. I had a friend in my community group who I don't know how old she was, but middle aged, I mean had gray hair, and she bought us all a copy of the story, the storybook Bible. I think that's what it's called mm-hmm. because she was reading through it for herself. And she said, this is giving yeah. me a new view of God and who he is. And it is, it's so amazing how they've written it through the story. And, but I feel like all will be well could be that for people like, Hey, this isn't just go get this book for your kid. This is, Hey, go get mm-hmm. this children's book and, and pray through it yourself. I mean, what, what better way to process? We're not telling you go buy a, a big book of theology and figure it out. We're saying, Hey, <laughs> check out this children's book and see what God reveals <laughs> to you through it. You know? Right. Right. But there's a profundity yeah. and in the faith of a child, wrap it all up mm. full circle. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, Mm. thank you so much, Lacey. I really appreciate your time. And I know we barely touched on the surface, but I'm going to link both of Mm. your books. And then I know you have even more books that people can check out. I'll link your website and all of that as well. So thank you so much for doing this. We're really grateful. Mm, It was so good to share a little chat with you today, Tara. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being present as both Lacey and I share personal things about our journey as well as the projects that we've poured our hearts into. So you will find all of those in the show notes. Well, at least Lacey's most recent books. She has many more, but you can find Faith Like a Child and All Will Be Well in addition to the pre-order for my Bible study through the fog in the show notes. So please check that out. And I hope you have a fantastic week as we will meet you here again next Monday.